All right. Um, we're kicking lead off again. Hallelujah. And if you don't know what lead is, we started it uh, kind of at the beginning of the year. Uh, that was part of our vision, 25 lead. What that means is lead, leaders that are in the church that want to do something in the body of Christ. They want to be a part of, of helping the whole family of God function because it takes a lot of people to, to reach a community. And the more people that we have uh, working and functioning, the more momentum that grows and the, the bigger impact that it can, it can have on a community. So uh, just like I said, even having multiple praise and worship teams, you know, that's something that, that when, when you're able to do that, you can, you can have multiple things going on or, or give people a, a little bit of a break and they can be working on something else or doing something in another group. But the, it takes, you know, there's cleaning that needs done. There's uh, landscaping. There's uh, things that, that go on behind the scenes. There's phone calls that, that get made. There's follow-up. There's all kinds of things that happen to make the whole thing function. So lead is a way that people can get involved and serve God. It's not, it's not about serving me. It's about serving God. And it's our service to him. Just like, you know, when we do this, we're serving God. Yes, there's a benefit that comes to you, but it's a service that we do to God because you are the apple of his eye. So he sends people to you. He sends people into other people's life. That's just like the evangelism team. He's sending people into the field to reap the harvest. So that's what LEAD is about. It's about everybody being on board. And if you haven't yet signed up for that, then let me know. And I've got, I have papers even this evening. You can fill out what areas you might be interested in. Get that back to me. And 25 LEAD is our goal this year. And I believe we'll surpass that. But that is our, that's the, that was the basic goal. And we're going to be uh, having a banquet soon. We don't have a date yet, but we're going to be having a, a lead banquet. Um, that It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have dinner. We're going to have a special guest speaker. Um, and he's going to be coming in and giving a, a word himself. And he's, he's top-notch leadership. So he'll, he'll be coming in and blessing us with that. So I'm super excited about this getting kicked off again because, you know, just with the, the slump a little bit with COVID-19, I'm like, okay, let's get this going again. Let's, let's hit it hard. So we're ready to go. Amen? So Wednesday nights kind of gets um, focused around lead. How do we lead better, not only in our church, but how do we lead better in our homes? How do we lead better in the community? How do we lead better as, as parents, as uh, co-workers, uh, in our business? How do, you know, all of these things, everything that gets talked about, you can apply in all of these areas. Sometimes I may get specific around certain things like church, but it doesn't mean you can't use the same tactics or the same ideas and principles in your home, in your business, no matter where you're at. So these are things that you can use in your home. And, and today I want to start uh, talking about creating kingdom culture. That would be the, the title probably of the next uh, few weeks, creating kingdom culture, creating kingdom culture. And we know that Jesus came and he changed the culture didn't he? In fact, there was an old system. There was the Old Testament. He was coming, and the next thing was happening was the New Testament, the new covenant, the new will of Christ. And so he was changing kingdom 
culture. It wasn't that he was changing the law, but he was fulfilling the law. And there were some things that confused people because they would say, well, John the Baptist does this, but you do this. You know, John the Baptist, you know, he, he fasts and everything, and, and your, your disciples don't fast. And John the Baptist does this, and, and you come, and you're hanging out with sinners. He's with the religious, and you're hanging out with sinners. There were things that he was changing in the culture because of the blood of Christ, and that was shifting things and making a better covenant for us. So we are to be uh, kingdom culture changers. We're, we're to take the kingdom of God and plant a culture of the kingdom of God wherever we go. So specifically tonight, I'm going to hone in a little bit on, on church uh, on the, the dynamics of how we create an atmosphere here for uh, the people coming in. What do we do when people come in? Uh, how, do we, how do we create a culture here? Um, because it's, it's ultimately about taking what God wants and placing it here. It's not about the world's culture coming in. It's about us creating a culture here that changes it changes people's lives. It transforms them when they come in. It touches them. And I mean, obviously, the world's way doesn't work where everybody would be doing great, right? But it's when, when the world system doesn't work, people need an answer. And Jesus Christ is the answer. So when they come in, we have an answer. Amen? And Jesus said that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. He said, you know, it's not about slaughtering animals anymore. But guess what? what? What gets to die? Our carnal nature. <laughs> so now it's not about slaughtering animals. Now we, we slaughter the carnal nature. We slaughter and we die to self. Isn't that good news? <laughs> but we die to self because guess what? The Bible says that, that a seed doesn't die until it's put in the ground and then it dies and it comes to life. It produces and it brings fruit. Guess what happens in your life? Every time you die to self, you're actually planting seed so it can bear fruit. So that's what we do when we change culture. We die to self because sometimes things are not always comfortable. Honestly, sometimes we have to get outside of the box. Sometimes we have to shove our own desires and our own selfish ambitions aside and say, God, what do you want me to do? Uh, how am I supposed to react? How am I supposed to respond? Because ultimately, culture happens. The atmosphere happens by what we say, what we do, and how we react to things. That is what makes a culture. In fact, if you think about a husband and wife, when they get married, how do they, how do they create a culture in their home? They take what she was used to in her home, what he was used to in his home, and they take kind of a blend of that, try to weed out the stuff that they don't want to duplicate, try to bring in the things that they do, and then there's a lot of uh, wrestling that out in, in, for many years. <laughs> and then you create a culture in your home of what you want in your home. Well, it's the same thing here. What are we doing? We're, we're bringing all kinds of people into the house of God, and we have to create a 
a God culture here, but it means that we have to wrestle some things out sometimes <laughs> because we can bring a lot of junk, you know? <laughs> we can bring things from our all of our own homes that weren't always good, and we bring them in here, and we got to wrestle it out. So that's why sometimes when God's dealing with us, you know, there might be tears. There might be snot flying. There might be, uh, you know, laughter. There might be a slaying in the spirit. There might You don't know what's going to happen because God's wrestling with things in our life, and tearing things out so that we can have a God God culture. I'm trying not to say that like over and over too many times. Get tongue-tied. So we sacrifice ourselves so that we can have the nature of Christ. Um, I want you to turn to uh, Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verse 23. And I know some of you might know this by heart. But if you don't, it's good to, to see it and to know where it's at. Proverbs 4.23. And it says, above all else, or some versions say with diligence, with diligence. Above all else, guard what? Guard your heart. That's right. Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life, or it is the, the source of life, the very source of life. I mean, if you think about it, if you see a plant and it's, it's, you know, its roots are in the ground, if you pull that thing up, what happens? It's going to dry up, right? Because the roots cannot get to the source of its nutrition, of its water, so it begins to dry up. Well, for us, our heart it is the very wellspring of life. It's the source of life. And, of course, you've heard us say time and time again that whatever's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever we put into our heart is what's going to come out of our life. So that's why the Bible says to above all else. That, that means that's up there. That's, a, that's something that we've got to pay attention to. That's not like a little priority. That's a big priority. Above all else, above everything, guard your heart with all diligence. That word guard actually means to station somebody at the gate to make sure nothing bad comes in. So when you think about your heart, are you stationing things there to make sure nothing uh, evil or nothing that, that's bad seed comes in? Because if you're not then and you're just allowing whatever to come into your heart then you're letting bad seed get planted into your heart so he says above all else guard your heart it's the wellspring of life it's the very source of your life now go to proverbs 3 so just the next chapter back and in verse 3 as we're talking about the heart it says let love and faithfulness now if you have a King James version, it, it will probably say uh, mercy and trust, truth. Okay, that mercy and truth. But if, if you actually look these words up, it, it, mercy is, is uh, loving kindness, loving kindness. So love and truth or faithfulness, faithfulness. Let it, let it be, uh, let it never leave you and bind it around your neck and write it on the tablet of your heart. The Bible says, write it on, what, what are we supposed to write on our heart? Love 
and faithfulness. Love and faithfulness. So I want to I focus on this tonight. Love and faithfulness. Because if we're going to create a culture in our church, because every church has a culture. Did you know that? When you go into a church, you can tell what the culture is. You can tell if they're judgmental or if they're loving. You can tell if, if, if the culture is uh, uh, open to... Uh, all kinds of nationalities, or if they're close to that. You, you can tell if they love kids or they don't want kids, you know? You can tell if they're, if they're, um, I don't, if they're uh, religious or if they're free in the spirit. Every, every church has a culture. And so the culture that we need to focus on, this was one thing that I, that I just really focused on today, was love and faithfulness, love and faithfulness. I didn't realize like how many times the word of God talked about love and faithfulness, love and faithfulness. And it says that God is a God of compassion and love and faithfulness. And it love and faithfulness goes before him all the time. So if you think about that, what's supposed to go before us at all times? That's right. You guys are smart. Hallelujah. Love and faithfulness. He says, let it never leave you. Bind it around your neck and write it on your heart. Well, that means that it's supposed to be like inscribed, like tattooed on your heart. If you're going to get tatted, then love and faithfulness. Let it be on your heart. Love and faithfulness. Bind around your neck. That means that it stays with you at all times, that it doesn't leave you. You don't just uh, take it off and, like, like uh, you know, just toss it off whenever you want to. You keep it with you at all times. So even when you're thinking about kingdom culture, the, this idea of love and faithfulness, when people come in, they're going to experience something. What are they going to experience? Just like if they walk into your home, what are they going to experience? Are they going to experience, uh, you know, love? Or are they going to experience, uh, what are you doing here? You know, some of us that have, have went out and, and done evangelism, you know, you knock on the door and, and you get all kinds of responses. Some of them are, are happy to see you and then some of them not so much. But when people come into the church doors, what do they, what do they receive? Because are they gonna are they gonna feel a sense of rejection or judgment? Are they gonna sense a welcoming attitude or a loving heart uh, of the people? Are they going to uh, feel like people are staring at them, or are they gonna feel like people are are uh, just pouring out to them? You know, loving them. Um, you know, some people are, they they may even feel like they're being criticized, or they may feel like there's grace there. So whatever it is that, that you know, obviously we want to we want a culture where there's grace and there's love and there's joy and there's patience and there's kindness and all the fruits of the spirit. But of course, like I said, if you have love and faithfulness, then you're never going to go wrong because love covers what? That's right. Love covers a multitude of sins. And the Bible also says in in uh, Proverbs 10, 12, that love covers all offense all offense so that means if there's any issue then that means love needs to cover it love needs to cover it if there's a problem in the in the body of christ guess what other people can sense it there's a i mean i'm sure every person in here at some point has been uh a
upset, frustrated with somebody, even in your home, or, or dealt with offense in your heart, and it's obvious that there is a problem, right? It becomes like the, what people call it, the, the vibe, right? This vibe, or there's this atmosphere, every, this, this sensing, like you just know, like there's a problem going on right now. But the thing is, if, if it gets taken care of quickly, then it, it's not allowed to grow roots. If it, if it gets uprooted quickly, it's not allowed to stay there and turn into a monster, turn into like a, a, a tree that, that ends up growing and, and then it, it just, uh, it, it's hard to uproot. And even if you go to chop it down, the roots are still there. You can cut off branches. You can cut off and pretend like you're getting rid of symptoms, getting rid of this, getting rid of that. But if it's not taken care of, if it's not uprooted, then it will continue you to come back so it's important at all times in the church culture in in our in our church with the church family what do we do we take care of issues with one another that means as soon as you're sensing things that you go talk to people don't allow things to continue to grow in fact turn over to hebrews Verse 15. Let's just back up to 14 for a second. It says, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up. And it what defiles many. So what happens when a bitter root grows? Does it just affect the two people? No. Yeah, it says it defiles many, many. Because guess what? How many people have been bitter at one point? And then what do they do? They want to go talk to somebody? They want to go tell somebody about it, right? You want to get people on your side. You want you want to feel you want to feel justified in how you feel, right? <laughs> and so that's the thing. That's why God says, take care of the bitter root. Because if not, it will continue to grow in your heart. Now, when you think about this idea of love, like even I was thinking about this today. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear, right, in 1 John. That perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment, the Bible says. Now, I think when sometimes when we read that verse, we think of punishment as in, like, you take a whip and you're, like, punishing and torturing somebody. Or, you know, like, punishment as in you're getting a whipping. But the thing is, when we think of punishment, we can also think of anything unpleasant. So look at it this way. When we're dealing with love... When we're dealing with anything, if we're not walking in complete love, then that means we're walking in fear. Now, at first that might sound like, what does one have to do with the other? But, but think about this for a second. When we don't walk in complete love, then that means we're actually dealing with a fear of what the other person is going to think of us. Even when it comes to uh, witnessing and evangelizing to people, why do people not do it? Most of the time, it's not because they don't have uh, boldness for God. It's not because they don't love the Lord. 
It's because they're, they're afraid of what other people are going to think of them. Yeah. It's an insecurity. Yeah. So what happens here is love actually keeps us, uh, I wrote this down today, fear of insecurities and getting hurt. Those are two reasons why we hold back love. Fear of our insecurities and getting hurt. That's why we hold back in the areas of love. It's just like if a new person walks through the door, how many people go up and greet them? How many people go sit down and talk with them? Like if you, if you notice, like even when we do uh, dinners or do gatherings, most of the time you probably have seen like Pastor Brad and I will try to go hit every single person, especially the new people. And we'll go and we'll talk at every table. We don't sit at one table and just hang out all night with those that, that we know better. Because we want to make sure that every person has had the opportunity to feel loved. And that they've had some attention. So I'll even pick up my plate. Like the other night, I don't remember who I was sitting with. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not leaving you guys because I'm done with you. I'm just, I'm going to go over here and mingle at this table. So, you know, it, it's about, and then I think I came to Angela's table and sat down with them for a little while. And then I went to the next table. But it, it's about focusing on them and not on ourselves. And love, it, it pushes past fear. It pushes past, it's not like that feeling is ever going to go away. Like, understand, the more you do it, the less you'll feel it, and the more you'll, you'll become, like, that becomes your nature. That becomes who you are because you, you begin to focus your eyes on God and who he is and your, your strength and your identity comes from him. Because think of this, insecurities come from a lack of understanding your identity in him. So the more you understand your identity in him, the more you're going to be able, you won't, you won't allow that person or any other person to identify who you are. Amen. So as you go to, uh, you know, another person, you're not allowing them to identify who you are. Now, go a step further. When I talk about offense, because that's the, that's, that's, it's like there's two forms of love. There's, there's the love that reaches out to other people, and there may not be a connection there, so you're not, there's no issues, there's no problems or anything like that. You're loving them because they're, they're new. So they're coming into the church, and, and you're stepping out because you're trying to make them feel welcome. Well, then let's say you've been in the church for a while, and, and someone says something to you or forgot to say something to you. And, and then you get offended, and then you get hurt, and then you think, well, why didn't they say hi to me? And why didn't this and why didn't that? Well, you know, th these two people, they went out yesterday and had coffee, and they didn't invite me along. I wonder if they just don't like me. You know, just all these things. Go. I'm probably speaking from a woman's standpoint, not a man. So... <laughs> But, you know, you, and then you can get offended. And so then the offense actually is not coming from a place so much of identity, but now it's coming from a place of hurt. Now what's going on is you're looking to people to provide your emotional provision. Are you following me? It's, it's not so much of... It does have to do with identity, but it, but it also has to do with emotional provision. I didn't feel loved. I didn't feel accepted. I didn't feel uh, what, it, what it is that I'm looking for in companionship. I didn't get that from them. So therefore, I'm, I have, I've gotten hurt. I've gotten offended because I'm hurt. 
So in these instances, we, that's why I say very quickly, go talk to the person. Because if not, then things can, can just get rooted. And the more, and then of course, guess what the enemy's really good at? Playing it in the head. Just over and over and over. And yeah, and they did this. And oh yeah, you know, uh, last week when they did this, this is probably why they, you know, and I mean, just like eat you away at it. And then guess what? What happens then? You begin to draw, withdraw. I'm just not going to hang out with them. I'm not going to say hi to them. I'm going to wait until they say hi to me. I'm going to, I'm not going to engage. I'm going to sit over here. I'm going to, I'm going to like not go to the event. I'm not, I mean, just all of these things and it turns into a big mountain. It turns into this thing that you feel like uh, depression, really. That's, that's what it turns into is a, is a type of depression. And so love is something that we have to choose to walk in at all times. Love and faithfulness, a culture of love and faithfulness. Love looks outside of ourself and looks at other people and not our own insecurities and not our own uh, fear of getting hurt. When we look at when we look at new people coming into the church, if we ever look at it and say, uh, welcoming them or going up to them and talking to them, that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. <laughs> if we have a, a goal of having 100 people, how easy is that going to be for the pastor to do? <laughs> Guys, we can't preach. We've only greeted 70 people. You know, we got to get the 100. <laughs> and if somebody comes into a church, is one person always enough? No. When you go to a new place, if only one person says something to you, but everybody else ignores you, how does it make you feel? Yeah, like, like well, you know, that one person, yeah, but everybody else I, I felt rejected by, you know? So a person should get uh, greeted multiple times in, in, the, in the church world, you know? They should have tons of people coming up to them and just, and just blessing them and loving on them and saying hi to them, letting them know that we acknowledge you're here and that we love you and that we want you to be here. You're, you're you know, when you're here, you're with family, you know? So ha having, a, don't have a, that's not my job. That's not my job attitude. That's a poor church culture right there. So don't ever look at anything as that's not my job. You know, even like when Pastor Brad was talking the other day about picking something up, I know this was probably a different analogy, but it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, if, if you're somewhere and you notice something needs to be done, then just, just do it. Like, don't say, well, that, that's the janitor's job. I'll let them pick up the paper, <laughs> you know? I'll let them get that. No, just do it. Why? Because this is, this is part of who you are. This is your house. This is, yes, it's God's house, but this is part of where you come. You take pride in, in where you are. You take pride in, in your church. That's, that's why we always, you know, I remember one time we were, at a vi <laughs> we were visiting a church, and this was so ingrained in me, I realized at that point, because it just came out of me and I didn't realize it, but we were visiting another church because there was a guest speaker there. We went to the church. I went into the bathroom, and it was super busy. So the, 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 um, 
the sink, the counter was like wet and there was paper towels uh, laying on the floor. And after I'd went to the bathroom and washed my hands and then I'm like cleaning everything up and picking up this stuff. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this is my family. Why? Because they're Christians. And you take ownership because it's also part of the family of God. And in my mind, I'm thinking if somebody new comes in and they walk into the bathroom and this is a mess, that might be a bad impression. And I don't want this church to have a bad impression on someone new because it's a good church and this is a a Christian uh, environment. I want them to be coming back here, you know? So, and it was like, it should be ingrained in you to just do to just be, uh, to plug in and to, to take ownership of, of the place that you're in. Amen. <laughs> and the, the last thing about love, the last thing about love, the more you love, the more you love as a church culture, the more apt you are to have a good time and to laugh. There's going to be a lot more laughter when there's love in the house because there's not going to be tensions. There's not going to be disunity. There's not going to be uh, weirdness, you know. So the more that you love, the more that you laugh. And the more that you laugh, you know, the Bible says that laughter is a good medicine, right? It's medicine into the body. It actually brings healing and health to the body. So that is a good thing. That's a good thing. Now let's talk about faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let's turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7. Faithfulness. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether slave or free. So working unto the Lord, not unto men. This is huge because when you get your eyes off of people and and, uh, them being the one that acknowledges, it's great when we acknowledge each other. It's great to say thank you. It's great to say, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for, for doing this or for doing that. That is a wonderful thing. We should have hearts of gratitude. That's important. But if, if that doesn't happen, our eyes should always be on God. It's faithfulness to God. And if you're faithful to God, you're naturally going to be faithful to man in your responsibilities. Now, the thing I want to point out is focus on the word faithfulness and not on obligation or duty. Because obligation and duty, well, it's my obligation. It's my duty. I have to go do this. I have to go clean. I have to go do that. I have to go uh, take care of the kids. I have to go. When you think of it as a duty or an obligation, then you're thinking of it as I have to do it. I have to fulfill my role. 
But when you think of it as faithfulness to God, just like the word of God says, you know that he's going to reward you. So it's like, you know, there's a reward coming and it's not necessarily coming from man. It's coming from the king of kings, the one that created the whole universe. Do you not think that that's going to be a greater reward than any person could give? So his reward is great. So as long as your eyes are always on God, then you'll be able to fulfill anything and not be able to not look at man for your reward or for your thank you or for whatever it is because man will fail man will fail and they're not always going to to be able to live up to every expectation that, that you may have but God never fails and he always sees everything so even the smallest thing that you do behind the scenes he's going to see and he's going to take note of the smallest things when I when I understood that like I remember one time when when Pastor Brad and I were were serving uh, youth and at the time uh, this was years ago and at the time there wasn't a huge youth group and I remember thinking man it'd be nice if more youth were here in the in the youth group because we were just filling in for somebody because they had uh, an accident and and they were out for about a year so anyway there there wasn't a, a lot of youth in the church at the time and so you're preparing a lesson for like three people literally and and i i just kept thinking man it'd be nice but that was the point i i think i caught a hold of this because i was like you know what it doesn't matter if there's three if there's one if there's five it doesn't matter i'm going to pour into the one that's here the three that's here the five that's here and then that one or that three that five god sees that god sees what you put in don't get slack just because it's one don't get slack and say, well, it doesn't really matter. Because if you're not faithful with the little, God's not going to give you the more. He's not going to bless you with the much. Because you want, he's going to be looking going, you're not ready for it. You're not, you're, you know, you look at it as, uh, it's only one person, so I'm only going to spend five minutes preparing. You know? Then, then he's going to say, okay, if you're going to keep that up, I'm, I can only give you one. But if you will be diligent... And, and then he's going to see your faithfulness. So always be faithful to the Lord. It's not about man. Yes, you'll naturally serve man. We serve man. We serve Dr. Morocco. You know, he is our headship. We serve him. But we naturally, when I, when I fulfill my responsibilities, I'm looking at it as I'm doing this and I'm serving God. It goes higher than that. And as a, a natural result, I'm fulfilling everything I need to do for Dr. Morocco because my eyes are on God, not on man. And that is what, that's what will keep you in a place of growing and being victorious in faithfulness. Turn over to, uh, to the book of John. Chapter 12, verse 26. And this is Jesus talking. Actually, let's back up because it, it talks even here about the kernel of wheat. So let's, let's go to 24. It says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. When we die to the flesh and we, and we lay down, when God tells us to do, like Jesse said the other day, you know, if he tells you to bless a millionaire with $100 and you do it, even if you don't like him, 
You know, <laughs> if God tells you to do something and, and you, uh, you kill the flesh so you can what? Be raised to life in the spirit because that's what you're doing. You're doing uh, something that's, that's going against what your nature wants to do. But guess what? There's a harvest on this, the other side. You just went from the natural to the supernatural. You just took things from the, the, the natural, the carnal, into the supernatural, and you gave something for God to work with because you just planted a seed through your obedience. So when you plant the seed, what does it do? It says it produces many seeds now. But the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It says, whoever serves me must follow me. Whoever serves me must follow me. Must, not should. Whoever serves me must follow me. That means, it's just like when he said, I only do what I, what I hear my father doing, what I hear my father say. That's the same thing. What he says that we do, he, whoever's going to serve Christ must follow him. That means if, if, we, if he's calling us to do this, we have to follow him into that. We have to follow him into what he's telling us to do. And it says, where I am, my servant also will be. And my father will honor the one who serves me. Where I am, my servant will be. That's what we're called to do. Where he calls us, that's where he, us as the servants are supposed to be. So even as, as I was thinking about this today, because I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking so much back when, when we, we first started in Hana, and just some of the things that, that where we started, you know, the, just the, the, some of them were, were funny times and some of them not so much, you know. But even, even in the beginnings, you know, uh, we started down in Helene Hall, you know, we had Killa and then we had Lee Hall and Mara right after and, and we would go down and we would, we would set up chairs, um, you know, before preaching. There's no AC. Like, understand, there's no AC. You, you get sweat running down your back, and by the time you set up all the chairs, you're, like, soaked. You haven't even started church service, and you're dripping wet with sweat, aren't you? <laughs> and then you, you set up all the sound and all the equipment, and then you, you, you know, you're plugging everything in, hoping everything works, because, you know, you got to tear it down every time. So every time you got to set it back up, you're hoping everything works. And, and you have service, and they're, 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 you know, there's nowhere to take tithe and offering. There's nowhere. <laughs> there, you, have, you, you don't have your own building. You're, you're in a community hall. There's people that drive by. They're honking their horns. They're, they're sometimes running chainsaws. They're blasting bull whips. I mean, all, because it's the community park. So you're, you're doing all of these things, and, man, at times it was just like, Lord, help us. <laughs> What in the world? But but we would do, we would tear down, and then God God said, "Okay, I'm gonna. I want you to go to Kani now. <laughs> Kani is about 25 miles down the road, but it takes an hour to get there because of, of all the turns. And so you know, we began to go down to Kani. There is a little church down there that wasn't being used. Um, so we we go down there, we, and and we would get up six in the morning, meet by eight, head down to Kani. Sometimes it was it was so rainy that the roads were flooding, and we were we were going down there. We only missed twice, I think, that because of landslides. Uh, 
and there was no way we could get across. But we were faithful every time. And sometimes we would go down there, and the aunties that lived a half a mile down the road weren't even there. But we had traveled an hour to get there. <laughs> and, and we would set up, and we would, we would get everything ready. And we would have praise and worship, and we would have prayer. And the tourists would come in and take pictures because it's an open church in the middle of service. You're preaching, and they come in and take pictures and walk back out. And sometimes you'd, in the middle of your message, start preaching to them and so they would get saved. I mean, the, the little things that, that you would do, you know, but it was about the faithfulness, the faithfulness. Those are the things that God looks at. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to do the things that I've asked you to do? And, you know, so many times, and then God blessed us with a, a building because we didn't have a building that, that we, at least with the, this particular building, could store things in. Because before we didn't, it, it was setting in our living room. And, I mean, our living room was very small. So it, all the church stuff came to our house. And, you know, just the, the, the things, the beginnings. God says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. But I want to say tonight, because this is the thing that hit me today as I was just thinking through some of these things. Even through the beginnings, even through the small things, I thought back and I thought, you know, there was always heart. There was always heart in, in what we were doing. And what I mean by that is we were living heart first. It wasn't about having the perfect program. It wasn't about everything being exactly right. It wasn't about, you know, the sound had to be so-so. Are those things good? Yes, excellence is good. God wants excellence, but, but if he has excellence but doesn't have heart, it's a fail. And the thing that hit me hard today was live heart first. Live heart first. Because that's the thing that touches lives. I was reading a, a book by Wayne, uh, Pastor Wayne Cordero, who is uh, on Oahu, and he made a comment that um, he said, the mind, the mind will reach another person's mind, but only the heart will reach another person's heart. And, you know, it, it's, you can go up and you can, you can analyze. You can stand there and have an educational conversation with somebody. You can sit there and, and have theories and, and whatever else about the word of God. But if you don't love and if you don't show compassion and if you don't, if you don't share your heart, then it's not going to matter. Only the heart reaches the heart. You know, and I, I even thought back at some of the things, just the – just. You know, we, we, would, we would set up whatever down at the, the park. There were, there were about eight to ten solid people that, that would just do whatever. And we would set up down there, and, and we had different stations, and we had music, and we were, we were trying to do what we called a Hana Fest, and we, we invited the whole community. We had free gifts and everything. Bring the kids, and people brought the kids down. We painted faces, and we did all of these things. And someone came up to me and said, how many people go to your church? Because, because it looked like we had a lot of workers, but really what we were doing was they were all on the, on the uh, musical instruments at one point, and then we closed that. I mean, we had to think this through. 
through because we only had limited, you know, resources with people. We'd close that down and then we would all run to our, our little stations for the kids. And then we were all doing something and running a, a, a game thing. And then we fed them all. So we would run over, over here where we had all the food set up and then we served them all. And they were like, how many people do you have going to your church? And we were just like, oh, a lot, you know. <laughs> But seriously, we were doing all of this with like 10 people. And it, it, it was a bit crazy, but it was living heart first. It was about reaching people. It was about touching people. It was about sharing the love of God. And even through it, I want to remind you guys tonight, don't ever let programs become the, the thing that makes you, you know, goals, programs, things like that, that can get in the way of living heart first. Because it's the, it, only the heart. What was it that, that saved us? It's the heart of Jesus Christ that he gave up his life. That's what saved us. It's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. It wasn't that he did some glamorous show and, and people for years talked about how great that drama was, how great that praise and worship sesh was, you know? It was about his heart that he gave up his very life. And that's what touches humanity because he did something that no one else did. He gave up his very being to save us. And, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to give up things of ourselves. We're called to, to give our heart into other people, to pour ourselves out for other people. That's what touches people. And I was just thinking, you know, sometimes religion can get in the way. I, just uh, talent you know, where, where people are focused on, on talent. Well, I got to get this exactly right. I got to get that, you know, or money. We got to raise this much money. And sometimes it can, you can get so caught up in the goal or the number, even, even souls, you know, reaching souls. Don't let the number become a, become a thing that, that, well, we're trying to reach this many. That's awesome. But don't let that become something where you're just going around trying to touch this many people, but, but you never actually made a, a strong connect. You know what I mean? Where that, that person could have been dramatically changed, but it just became a number instead of a person that you disciple. So it's about the heart, the heart, living heart first. And even tonight, you know, I just, I want to, I, I want to, finish up. I was reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13 today out of the Amplified Version. Let me see if I still have it pulled up. And I also, I also said here too, I said success focuses on the goal, but not the people. Faithfulness focuses on people, though, because when you think of faithfulness, like if you say he's faithful in his marriage, what do you think of? He's faithful to his wife, right? You don't say, oh, yeah, he has a, success, a successful marriage. He was faithful to his wife. She was faithful to her husband. Faithfulness has a, has a person focus. Success has a goal focus. So when we think of this, we need to think of always being 
faithful to the things of God, serving God. And even though there's people that come in, we love people and we serve God. Our faithfulness is to God. And as a result, you'll be faithful to people as well. But let's finish up with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, so you might just want to listen. Because the Amplified, it, it takes words and kind of um, takes like the original Greek and, and adds like extra adjectives to it so that you get a better understanding. It says, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels that have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but I do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, think of that. God even says, you know, to give to, to others, to feed others, right? But he says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I, if I surrender my body to be burned, think about it, burned at the stake, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. I don't ever want to spend eternity in heaven and stand before God and have done a lot of things, but it not mattered, and it got burned up in the fire because my heart wasn't right because I didn't put heart first and I was just doing put heart first love endures with patience and serenity love is kind and thoughtful and it's not jealous or envious love does not brag and it is not proud or arrogant it is not rude it is not self-seeking it is not provoked or listen to this or overly sensitive and easily angered. Isn't that a good amplified version? Love is not self-seeking. It is not provoked or overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but, with, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as prophecies, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. I'm going to stop there. But the thing that caught me was it believes all things, looking for the best in each one hopes all things, remaining steadfast without, sorry, remaining steadfast during difficult times and endures all things without weakening. You know, that's what we're called to do. When, when the lights are off and everything is done and closed up for the night, did we put heart first into people? And did we put heart first into God?
Do we hear with ears that the Lord wanted to speak to? Do we have a soft heart to what he wanted to do in us? Do we respond in a way where we looked at uh, other people instead of looking at our insecurities? Do we reach out to someone or do we just hang out with the same people instead of looking for someone else that we could bless? What did we do? Did we live heart first? So even tonight as we, as we think about lead, lead does and goes beyond what is comfortable, what is natural, what we want to do. And so I want to challenge you tonight to even think about that for yourself. You know, because it doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long we've served. You know, even this, this year, I've had to check myself on some things. Because, you know, coming, coming from, you know, just coming from Maui and coming from a, a place where everything, is, you know, chill, relax, where you have to improvise on everything. So it, nothing's really expected to be perfect. Because there were times when, when we would get to Kanai, we forgot the projector. <laughs> there's nobody to call. To, there, there's no cell service. If you have cell service, then that person probably already left and they're on their way down and there's no cell service all the way to Kanai. You're just gonna have to sing without words. We forgot the microphone stand. So what do we do? We, we find a, a offering bucket stick thingy and attach it to something and tape the microphone on it for, for Lee House so he can play the drums. I mean, it just stuff, just always improvising. It was never perfect. It was never perfect because there was always things that we had to do. And then when I came here, because there's a church on every corner and there's all of these churches that have this kid's program and this praise and worship and these lights and, and, and there's, you know, the, the preaching of the spirit of excellence, which I'm all for. I'm all for. But it can get in the way of living heart first if you let it. Because the thing is, if we live heart first, the spirit of excellence will follow. If we're living for God and we're living for people, excellence will follow but we got to keep our eyes on the right place and not be so consumed with, with making sure everything is perfect, but the heart's not there. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I just want you to, to close your eyes for a moment and just even, even ask the Lord, God, where, where, where have, have I maybe uh, put some things first? And maybe haven't been uh, living heart first. Maybe there's areas that need tweaked. Just like I said, there were, there were things this year that I had to tweak. There were things that I had to change in my attitude. There were things that I had to, because coming back, you know, it's, it's like there's this pressure of, you know, there's all kinds of, of other churches. And, and, you know, people are looking for this program. People are looking for kids program. People are looking, and you're just a small church starting out. And we had six people. You know, we don't have anything like that to offer. You know, we had, we had Zane on the piano. We had Gracia singing in the beginning. Hylama wasn't even here. We, th that, this is all we had. And, and you have to, like, push through and, and realize, like, no matter what. And if somebody walked through the door, guess what? 
all six of us were like, hi, how are you? You know, and they're like, oh my gosh, where did I just walk into? And it's so awkward because, you know, they, they can't hide anywhere. And all of a sudden, they're the center of attention. And, you know, there, there's these th just all of these things. And, and so you start focusing on excellence and you start focusing on all these things. And, and you can get, like, uptight because I'm, if you took the personality test, I'm a lion anyway. So you can get, like, uptight about things not being done right. And, you know, and, and the Lord had to work with me on, on things. And I had to, like, chill out, you know, and say, hey, you got to love first. Love is most important. And so even tonight, what, what areas is God asking you to live heart first and make sure that you're, you're doing everything he's called you to do? Amen. Father, I thank you for just the love that you gave us. I thank you, Father, that, that you're never done teaching us, that you're never done showing us what, what it is that, that you want us to do. And you're calling us to greater levels. You're calling us to, as we learn, Father, you're, you're leading us into greater places. So I thank you, Father, for that. But Lord, we want to, to make sure that we're passing our tests, that we're excelling at the areas you've called us to with the right heart, with the right attitude. Lord, that we're not putting goals in and other things before you or before people. Father, we don't want to step on people on the way to the goal. So I pray, Lord, that tonight reveal to every person here how we need to love at a greater measure, how we need to love like you. And, Lord, I know that as we do that, the people will continue to come in because for them everything is based on love because you are love. And as long as we are loving, Lord, I know, Father, that you're going to put people into our hands. So I thank you, Father. Father, for that. I thank you, Lord, for this great team. I thank you for the leadership, Father, that you've brought to us. And I pray, Father, that you bless them in their home, that you bless their children, their husbands, their wives. Lord, bring husbands and wives into, into the homes that doesn't have that yet, but they're desiring that. I pray, Lord, that you line them up with specific people that are meant for them in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that they'll become a, an asset to their life. And, Lord, we pray over every person here that you show them the area that they're supposed to be in in the church, that you bless them in that. And, Lord, that they just run with, with such strength and with such uh, an anointing in that area that it grows like crazy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We'll see you Sunday. We love you guys.